0: Well, happy birthday, Arbor. Yeah. Try that again. Happy birthday, Arbor. Yeah. Three years old is a big deal. I'm looking forward today to eating some cupcakes after service, uh, watching the 49ers lose, yeah. and uh, and all the festivities that go with that. So, amen. All right. Well, today is going to be a little different, not just because it's the Super Bowl, um, uh, it's we're not actually gonna be doing a new series. We're not starting a series. We're not doing a series or continuing a series. We're actually doing a class. We're going back to school. Unfortunately, there will be no nap time. There will be no recess. It's a regular old school class. And so when you came in, you'll notice on your seats, you actually had study guides. We printed study guides, complete with fill-ins. You can fill them in. If you miss a fill-in, feel free to copy off your neighbor. Uh, This is not school, this is church, where that kind of thing is encouraged. So here we go. Just to be clear, this class that we're going to be talking about is an assimilation class. This is the class that we will be starting right after this series regularly, month after month, here at this church at the 11 a.m. hour. It is our on-ramp process. This is a a place, it'll be a class where people who are curious about the church, who have questions about the church, can kind of have, what you will, uh, a backstage pass to kind of explore the back roads of the church, kind of a look under the hood in hopes that people would join us on the journey. And so fittingly, what we've done is that we've called this the Discover class. It's kind of like the Discover Pass, except we are not going to ask you to hold or hang something on your rearview mirror. Um, The obvious question that we have here is this, is Why? Why would we spend four Sundays, four weeks, going over a class to bring people in to the church on a regular basis when most of us here are already a part of the church? And that's a good question. I'm glad you asked. I will answer it. Three years ago, three years ago to today, 150 people, 150 people sat in an info meeting. We actually put together the vision and the mission of this church. 150 people were a part of our foundational days. Today is three years later from that day, and about a thousand people, almost a thousand people, call Arbor their home church, which is amazing. A thousand people. So that means, and I'm not really great at math, but that means that 85% of the people inside of this room did not have the pleasure and the luxury to sit in on those classes. You didn't get to put together the vision with us. So for the most part, 85% of us were not on in those conversational meetings. And so what we're doing, the essential reason to walk through this, kind of this on-ramp class with the whole entire church and to go through this material is this. We want to get on the same page. We want to be rowing as a church in the same direction. We want to be clear. We want to be shooting at the same target. And so for some of you, Pieces, even chunks of what I'm going to talk about may sound familiar. You might go, Well, hasn't he said that before? And the answer is yes. Some of the statements, some of the points, even some of the stories will be repeated. But here's the big deal here's the benefit, here's the payoff for all of us. When we're done, four weeks from now, we will all see how this piece of the church connects to this piece of the church. We'll understand why we did this and why we chose to stop doing that and what's the purpose of this. And we're going to have a big picture understanding. We're going to have a full perspective of why we do what we do around here and what we want to be about going forward. Personally, I think, you guys, I think this is going to be huge. I think not only going through this as a church but doing this as a class on a regular basis will help everyone to be more informed. And the more informed we are, the more we can have an impact, not just here in this church, but impact the community and impact the kingdom because God is really doing a beautiful, beautiful work here. And so if you're new, and I said this to folks just a second ago, if you're new, you literally pick the perfect day to come. Like this is the perfect day to come to this church for the very first time. And so let me give you an overview of what we'll be walking through. It'll be four weeks with four questions. Four weeks, four questions. Why, what, how, and who? Why does Arbor exist? What is our motives? What are we all about? What is our purpose or what is our goals? What are we trying to accomplish? Week number three, how do we accomplish that purpose, that strategy? That will be very nuts and bolts on that day. What do or who accomplishes that purpose? That'll be talking about the responsibility and who carries this thing down the road. And so today what I want to do is I want to start off with the first question, the why question. I think we should always start off with why. Right? We should always start off with why. And so why does Arbor exist? And the bottom line answer, first fill-in, if you got to get it in there, first fill-in is this, life change. Life change. You could write it down. Why does Arbor exist? Life change. Pure and simple, our lives were magnificently changed by the life-saving grace of Jesus Christ, and simply we want to share that change with anyone and everyone who will listen. That's it. Life change. Jesus changed our lives for the better. We desire to help others' lives be changed for the better. And so let me ask you a question. And since this is a class, you can raise your hand. And if you don't raise your hand as the, you know, teacher of sorts, I will call on you. But I'd like it if you would answer me this question. What is something in your life that has changed your whole life? What is something that has changed your life? Yes. Yes. So, that's a good plug. Well done. Well done. I love that. Well done. You didn't even miss a beat, man. You were on that. Somebody else, raise your hand or I will call on you quickly. What is something that has changed your life? Yes. Children. Children. Yes. And not always for the better. You know, that's, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yes. Children. Anybody who's a parent would say, yes, you had a kid, that changed my life. What else? Something that has changed the trajectory of your life. In the back, Jan. Grandchildren. Grandchildren. I don't know about that yet, I don't know about that yet, but I'm sure it is the case. Anybody else, yes, Sean? Melwich. Melwich, just like that. That's something, that's always for the positive. Amen, gentlemen, amen? Yes, always for the positive. Uh, none of you mentioned Chick-fil-A, but I feel like Chick-fil-A <laughs> was something that truly changed my life. First time I had Chick-fil-A was in California, and that was a life-changing, God-ordained experience. And I'm so glad they brought it here. I did. I stayed the night with my daughter for that first 100, if you've ever done that. It's so worth it. You get, uh, you get like a year's free of chicken. It's so good. So worth it. Anyway, Disneyland was another one. First time I walked into Disneyland, that was a magical experience. And now I'm like a 43-year-old nerd who can't wait to get back to Disneyland. Um, I got married. That changed my life. My kids have changed my life for the better But not everything and every change that happens that alters your life is for the better. Sometimes that change is a diagnosis. Sometimes that's a divorce. Sometimes that's the loss of someone that you love or the loss of a job that changes or causes a life change in your life. And so probably the greatest biblical example of someone that we have where we see their life before and then we see their life afterwards is in the New Testament, and it's the life of Paul. Paul's probably the greatest example of life change. Early on, Paul set his sights on destroying this brand new false religion called Christianity. And friends, he was ruthless in his pursuit. He actually believed that what he was doing and how he was acting was on God's behalf. And friends, there's arguably no one more frightening than a religious terrorist. And, you know, that's someone who believes that they're doing the will of God by killing innocent people. And that's exactly who Paul Was He was a religious terrorist. He was like the Osama bin Laden of his time. Acts chapter 8 describes this. It says Saul, but really his name later became Paul. Paul began ravaging the church, going from house to house. He dragged out the believers, both men and women, and threw them in jail. Paul believed so strongly in his religious roots that you'll see later in Scripture that he actually went on and he allowed people to be murdered. In God's name. That's the kind of man that Paul was. You think you've done something bad? Paul's been worse. Until Jesus got a hold of his life. Until Jesus stopped him on the road to Damascus. Until Jesus redirected his ways. What happened was Paul pulled a complete 180. Paul had a fully complete life change because Jesus Christ. Later he would write these famous words. He said, anyone who belongs to Christ, has become a new person. Circle new person on your, on your outline there. New person. The old life is gone, and the new life has begun. I could easily argue that no one person outside of Jesus has had more of an impact for the gospel and Christianity than Paul himself. If you actually just look at the Bible itself, Paul wrote 13 of the 27 books in the New Testament. Not only that, you have Luke who wrote the largest section of the, of the Gospels, um, but Paul was the one who influenced him. You know how we know that? We know that Paul was Luke's pastor. Luke later wrote the book of Acts, which half of that book, thir- chapters 13 through 27, it's actually on Paul's life. And so crazy enough, Much of the New Testament is either directly from Paul in his writings or is connected to him in some shape or form. And so my point is this, is that if you take Paul out of the New Testament, you've lost most of the New Testament. And that's huge, friends. Very few people have had that kind of impact on the world. And if you think about it, right, we can't can't take the birth of the United States or think about the birth of the United States without thinking of George Washington. And we can't think about the emancipation of slaves without thinking about Abraham Lincoln. We can't think about the civil rights movement without thinking about Martin Luther King. We can't think about the NBA without thinking about Kobe Bryant. Right? Paul changed everything. It's the same with him. We can't think about Christianity without thinking about Paul because he had that much of an impact on it. He changed everything. Everything because Jesus changed his life. He had a life change. He went from persecutor to preacher. He went from Pharisee to Jesus freak. He went from sinner to saint. Look at his words once again. Here's what he said He said, Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. Other translation says, I am a, the chief of sinners. But God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst of sinners. Then others, and he's talking about us, will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. Life change. Paul experienced it. Many of you have experienced it through Jesus Christ. I know that I have as well. There's no way that I could talk about the start of this church without talking about the life change that my wife and I walked through. I'm not going to go into the story at length. I'm just going to hit the highlights for you, but so many of you know this, is that this was my family in 2014. My wife, my, me, myself, and my two daughters. The smallest of the two is Magnolia. Magnolia, and I hate to use the word, was very spunky. I mean, not the word spunky, but the word was. She got a diagnosis, and the diagnosis wasn't good. Diagnosis gave her 0% chance for survival. She had brain cancer, very rare brain cancer. And so what we did is we did what we could. We did the best we could, and we basically spent as much time with her as possible. We tried to enjoy every moment. I think that's a picture of us when we were doing a, a princess ball for her. It was amazing. And so eventually, Maggie passed away. And she went to be with Jesus. And I will tell you, friends, when it comes to life changes, that is one that has changed my life. What it did is it did this for both my wife and I, is it drew us to Jesus. You have a choice when something goes traumatically bad in your life. You can either choose to run to Jesus or you can choose to blame Jesus. And we chose to run to Jesus And in that, our faith grew and grew and grew, and I've never felt more closer to him, and nor has my wife. As a result of that situation, basically, we were left with this, is that we wanted to ask, what now, God? What do you have for us now? And what's interesting about asking that question prior to Maggie's passing was I had fear. I had reservations about things. Once you walk through something like the loss of a child, you feel like, What else can you throw at me, you know? How else, what else do you got, Satan? That's, if that, that, okay. Because the best part about that is we know where our daughter is and that she's totally fine and she's, she's with Jesus and she is happy and she's doing well. But we ask the questions, what do we do now while we're here on earth? And very clearly in my garage while I was on my saw, I felt like God told me that you need to lead a church And if you knew me before, you would know I never wanted to lead a church. And if you know me now, you know that I've never wanted to lead a church. (laughs) God has made this happen because this is what he wants to have happen. And so what we did at that point is we started asking the question, you know, what kind of church do we want to build and who's going to do this with us? And that was the process that we jumped into. And we start asking, God, we don't want to build a church just because this place needs another church, that Woodenville needs another church. There's lots of great churches around here. And so we said, God, what kind of church would you have us have? And then here's what happened. I mean, on launch day, this was me standing up there. Maybe the picture's been up already. I don't know. But this right here, this was launch day. And it blew our minds, the amount of people that showed up. And that God drew to this place. And it still blows my mind as churches are going down in attendance. And it's been a struggle in this culture. And specifically here in this area, our church seems to be thriving. And that just is crazy. God has had his hand on this from the very beginning. And so on that day, I stood up and I asked the question of Jan. And, and Jan, I see that you're in the back. And so I'll ask you again. Do you remember the question that I asked you? Yeah. What was the question? Oh, that was. That's right. You are never supposed to ask a lady how old she is. And so, Jan, can you answer me this question? How old are you? <laughs> yeah, so good. 73 years old. Young. Sorry, young. I meant to say young. Speaking of young, Riley, how old are you, my friend? 11, 11 years old. Do you consider this to be your church, your home church? Yes. You do? I love that. Thanks, man. Here's my question. Are we a church? For the young or for the seasoned? What are we? For the young or for the seasoned? Yes, yes we are. Exactly. Yes, we are. Um, here's the next question. Let me ask Kinsey. Where's Kinsey? Is she in here? Where are you? Oh, hi, Kinsey. Kinsey, I love Kinsey. You want to know one thing I love about Kinsey? She loves God's word. And so, Kinsey, I want to ask you a theological question, and that is this. Where do you stand on the uh, theological debate of predestination versus free will? Just spout it off. What's your, where do you, what, what position are you? The right side. Okay, that's good to know. (laughs) Yeah. And what would that be, Kinsey? You're a Reformed theologian. There you go. That's exactly right. All right. On the other side of the spectrum, Garrett, my dear friend, on this topic of predestination versus free will, where do you sit? The loving side. The loving side. That was pretty good. That's pretty good. So you would say... Free will. He is an Armenian. So the question is this, is that are we a church of the Reformed or are we the church of the Armenians? What are we, one or the other? We are, yes, we are both. Lauren, Winter, are you still in here? You are, good. Man, did you guys hear his voice, just how smooth that was? Yes. I'm just going to have you stand up. Can you stand up? Just you. Like, nobody else needs to stand up. You just need to look at this specimen of a man. Truly. Truly. I don't know anyone that is more attractive. And I made these comments from the very beginning. And I'm still smitten on him, truly. It's just it's, that's what, it's probably why I made you an elder. There we go. That's, that's a good thing. So um, you have Lauren, who's the epitome of cool, the epitome of good looking. I mean, just literally, ladies, I don't know how you walk around this place if he's standing here. It's just it's, it's so hard. So you have him on one side of the spectrum. And Dave, are you in here? Dave Kelly. Yes, there you are. Yeah. Yes you have my mentor of the last 15 years who, uh, cool is not in his vocabulary. The guy goes to bed at 8 p.m., and as far as attractive is concerned, Dave, you're trying. It's good. The beard's working out. So, oh, that's Becky right there. Becky. All right. There is one person in this room who thinks that Dave Kelly is attractive and cool. So here's the question. Are we going to be the church of the cool and the magnificent and the miraculous and the, oh my gosh, what the heck? How did God break? Oh Wow. You know, are we going to be that? Or are we gonna be the church of the Daves? And the answer is yes, we are, Daves. I love that. Are we church for men or for women? Yes. Are we church for Republicans or Democrats? Yes. Are we church for the healthy or the hurting? Yes. Are we church for Seahawks fans and 49ers fans? No way. No way. Friends, there is is a line. There is a line. And I just want to go on record and say that today will be Brian's very last day on staff. (laughs) So what church are we going to be? What kind of church are we going to be? What do we believe? What do we stand for? Give you a little bit of background, a little bit of framework on categories or levels of our beliefs you can write these down there's varying levels when it comes to what people believe first level is this it's 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 opinions these are things that we discuss right this is like preaching should it be topical or expository when it comes to worship should it be you know should what style should it be how loud should the volume be that's an opinion people that's an opinion What color should the carpet be? What type of coffee do we use? Should the dress code always be flannel? These are opinions. Opinions, opinions. The next level of this, so categories of belief, is doctrine. Doctrine, these are things we defend. Things we defend. These are open-handed beliefs. Eternal security, which is once saved, always saved, or can I walk away from my salvation? Predestination, free will, and that side of things. Uh, Female pastors, these are important things and doctrines that we defend. On the highest scale of this is what's called dogma. And dogma are things that we die for. These are the essentials of the faith, meaning that this is Christianity. These are close-handed Um, beliefs. Doctrine is open-handed. We can discuss them. These are closed-handed. And what I'm going to do now is I'm going to walk through the closed-handed beliefs of this church. And my love of this, these statements of faith, what I love about them is they tell a story. But this is who we are. This is what we believe. First and foremost, we believe that God is real. We believe that there is one God who exists eternally in three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We call this mystery the Trinity. God created everything for his glory, including us, whom he loves dearly. Post-high school, friends, truly post-high school, this was my biggest question. Is this, is, is, do, is this God thing real? Is God actually real? And when you're in the moment and when you're looking forward, sometimes it's hard to say, God, where are you when the stress of the world is on us? But oftentimes, if we take... A moment and we look backward at how God has moved his, in our lives and how he's taken his hand and guided us along, we will see that God has been present and he is absolutely real. Creation points to a designer. God is real. That is what we believe. Another thing we believe here is that the Bible is God's word. We believe the Bible is God's word. We believe the entire Bible is the inspired word of God and that men were moved by the Holy Spirit to write the very words of Scripture. Therefore, we believe the Bible is without error and the supreme authority in all matters of faith and conduct. In other words, friends, this is a big deal around here. God's word is a big deal. Jesus himself said this. He said, "Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God." And so this book, this collection of books, this libraries, if you will, is more important than food. This is more important than food. It holds the very words of God. Unfortunately, our culture has shifted, and things have changed from the day when I grew up. This is no longer viewed the same way. It used to be, Jesus loves me, this I know. Because how? The Bible tells me so. And that's not the case anymore. This book was commonly and universally accepted as truth without question. But today there are questions. And there are a lot of people questioning this book. And the book is being dismissed as folklore and and fiction. And has no real relevance for our lives. And friends, that just breaks my heart. It breaks my heart. Peter said this. He said, The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures for how long? Forever. If you have questions, that's okay. That's okay. God doesn't mind if we come to him with questions. In fact, he I would encourage that you come to him with questions. And I don't do this often. I really don't do this often, but if you would go back, if you have questions, go back online in one of the series that we did in the past called Text, there's a talk that I did in there that was called, Can I Trust the Bible? Can we trust this book? And just know in the meantime that we do here. You can trust this book, and we do as a church. And so we believe that God is real. We believe that the Bible is his word. And we believe that sin is the problem. Sin is the problem. We believe that all people are sinners by nature and by choice. Unfortunately, the deserved penalty for our sin is death and separation from God. So, without God stepping in to help, we are helpless to regain a right relationship with Him. Sin is like the Voldemort of the church, it's the thing that shall not be named. It started in the garden. And it has grown and grown and grown and grown ever since. It's a big deal. And we don't talk about sin so much when it comes to church. But yet, in the last little bit, I have seen the repercussions of sin as I've had conversations with different people around the church. And, man, sin is painful. When we engage in it, it causes so much pain. And so what we're going to do is actually in, in, in the summer, at the very beginning of the summer, we're going to start a series that we're simply calling Sin. right? It, everyone likes It's the best title in the world. They're like, oh, I want to come to that. And so it's the beginning of the June, so if you want to plan your vacations, there you go. Um, but we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about what we don't always talk about. But the bottom line is this, is that uh, sin doesn't make you bad. Sin makes you dead. Sin does not make you bad, it makes you dead. And the good news is is that death and sin have been defeated. And our good man Paul said this. He said, thank God he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's life change right there. Sin is a problem, but Jesus is the answer. We believe that Jesus is the sinless son of God was born of a virgin, executed on a cross, which paid the price of our sin that we should have paid, and then buried in a borrowed tomb. The good news is that he didn't stay dead. Through the resurrection, we are offered a renewed relationship with God through faith and the forgiveness of sin. Jesus is the answer to the sin question. He is the reason for life change. If you boil our faith down to its core, to its essence, it is surrounding a man, a God-man named Jesus. And that is the biggest, best name on the planet. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I love talking about Jesus. It is one of my favorite Topics. I've talked about him here at length, and I could talk about him for hours. I love Jesus, but I want you to hear the words from another perspective, someone that I think says it even better than I do. So, watch this real quick.
1: He is more than you could ever need, He's more than the eye could see. I don't deserve His love, but He's always been there for me. You see, Jesus met me when I was at my lowest. And if you don't know Jesus, know this. He is the greatest example of generosity this world of greed has ever seen. And when Jesus hit the scene, he changed the scenery and met diversity with serenity. If you're looking for peace, he offers plenty. Jesus was and Jesus will forever be king. And when the angels sing, they sing of the grace that was displayed for sinners like me. I can't explain him and I can't describe him. And if I could, he wouldn't be Jesus. Because you can't explain eternity and you can't comprehend the galaxies. But it was the loving hands of Jesus who spun them into existence and created man knowing he would go to the cross to pay our sentence he is a father to the orphan a shelter for the homeless a hiding place for the abused and an anchor for our storms he stormed the gates of hell and came out on top and the power of his gospel cannot be stopped he loves the world and I love his word because the word became flesh and in his flesh he demonstrated the word to the world he is an example to every boy and every girl he is a lover of black people he is a lover of white people He is a lover of the unchurched and the assembly under the steeple he doesn't see the belief Believers, failures but still takes time to celebrate their faithfulness it's the power of the Spirit that enables us and gives us boldness when the world labels us and if you want to label me please call me a Jesus freak and if that freaks you out good because it's better to be good with God than to fight being misunderstood by a world that could never understand So let it be understood that I don't worship man. We worship Jesus. And although he doesn't need us, he still sees us and pleads with us to run to the cross where he bled for us. His heart bleeds for us. His heart grieves for us, but still graciously grants us a pardon for our treason in a season where the world tries to explain away the work of the Spirit with human reasoning. I'm telling you today that Jesus is something. He's something more. He's something great. And if you want to know him, you don't have to wait. He stands at the narrow path with a key to the gate and you only have to reach out and embrace his grace. I don't care who's president. I have a king who is always present. I don't care who holds musical celebrity, the voice of the Lord will always be the sweetest melody. His name is Jesus and I'm telling you he's something. He was faithful yesterday and he is faithful today. I can feel his presence whenever I pray and when the time comes for me to fade away, I'll remember the day I heard him say, my name is Jesus.
0: I love, love that. His name is Jesus. And at that name, all the world, all creation, all the universe and everything will bow down at the name of Jesus. He is the answer, friends. He is the answer, pure and simple, to the question, sin is the problem, Jesus is the answer. The next one on your fill-in is this, is the church is God's people. The church is God's people. We believe that the church is not a building, event, or institution. It is God's family made up of those who trust in Jesus, are baptized and made new by the power of the Holy Spirit. The primary purpose of the church is to share the good news of Jesus to this broken world. I think Sister Sledge said it correctly when they said, We are family. And the family of God is not a metaphor. It is a literal description of the phenomenon of the church. We are not like family. We are family. God is literally our father. And we are literally brothers and sisters in Christ. And so it's not a metaphor. That's who we are. And I said in the very beginning when we started this church, I mean, our purpose is making disciples together. And the reason we put together on the back of there is because we shouldn't be trying to do this thing alone. And that is my desire is that we would do this together as a church, as brothers and sisters in Christ. We believe that God is real, that sin is God's, or the Bible is God's word, and that sin is the problem. Jesus is the answer, the church is God's people, and the Holy Spirit is our helper. We believe that the Holy Spirit is present in the world today, active in every believer. He is our helper who opens our ears to hear God's truth. He convicts us to turn away from sin, comforts us in moments of struggles, and empowers us to carry God's hope to all those who are hurting. Unfortunately, too often, the mystery of the Holy Spirit hinders us from experiencing him and everything that he has to offer us. The Holy Spirit is a divine person who helps. He is a, first and foremost, a person. He's not an it. He's not a thing. He's not a force. He is a person. And not only that, he is divine. He is the third person of the Trinity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. That means that he is God. And the best part of that is that he is God who wants to help us. And I don't do this often, but you can go back online and you could watch a series that we did recently entitled Holy Ghost. And if you have questions about the Holy Spirit or interest, it's a great place to go. But the Holy Spirit is our helper. The next statement of faith that we have is this, is that Jesus is coming back. We believe that Jesus is very much alive, having ascended into heaven after fulfilling his mission here on earth. We eagerly await the day he returns to establish his eternal kingdom, eliminate sin entirely, and takes us home to the place he's been preparing for us. The day and the hour are unknown. He will come like a thief in the night. He will come as he left, and he left by ascending. And so he will descend on an undisclosed day, and we will meet him in the air. Friends, I hope that that day is during my time. I hope it's during your time. I would love it if it was today, and we didn't have to watch the 49ers play in the Super Bowl. That would be great. It would be wonderful. But our man named Paul said this. He said, we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives, and we are eagerly waiting for him, speaking of Jesus, for him to return, to come back as our Savior. The last statement of faith that we have is my personal favorite, and that is this, heaven is our home. Heaven is our home. We believe everyone is created to live forever we will either exist eternally separated from God in a place called hell or through faith in Jesus we will be reunited to live forever with him in heaven where he will wipe away every tear from every eye unfortunately and i do mean this unfortunately the afterlife is often an afterthought we think oh it'll be great to get to heaven someday When I get there, then I'll worry about it. Then I'll think about it. But the reality is we should be looking forward to and longing for the prize that is ahead. To be home with our Savior and to be reunited with our loved ones. We don't think about it much, and that is until we lose someone that we can't live without. And then all of a sudden when that person makes the journey into eternity... We start to think about a whole lot. We start to think about what they're doing. We start to think about uh, what it must be like for them. What are they seeing? Have they seen Jesus yet? The Bible says, for this world, this fallen world, this earth is not our permanent home. I love that. It is not our permanent home. You think life's painful around here? It is because it's not our permanent home. We are, and I think this should be our posture, we are looking forward to a home yet to come. I don't say this too often, but maybe I do. But you can go back and look online at a series that we did a while ago. (laughs) And honestly, it is my favorite series that I've ever got the chance to speak on. It was the Heaven series to talk about what we have to look forward to in Christ looking for it's just amazing so you can go back and look on that that's what we believe friends that's what type of church we want to be bottom line i don't personally get out of bed every morning to come and receive the obscenely huge paycheck that is that is given from here because it's not that way i don't get out of bed for a paycheck i don't get out of bed to increase in popularity or to be i get out of bed for life change My life has been changed. So many of your lives have been changed. And the reason we should walk and we should get up and we should move, that motivation, it should be life changed. That's our reason. That's our why. There's been life change that's happened since we started this church. Life after life has been affected, and it's been so beautiful to see. I will tell you this. It does not make me, I'm not like, oh, well, that's where my daughter had to pass away, so that God would wake me up and then we would do this. That's not it whatsoever. But it has been so wonderful to see how many people have trusted Christ with their life, have laid down and sacrificed and taken steps forward in their faith. It is so encouraging to see. Some of these emails that we received, you can go look on it later on the next page, but I'll just read three of them here because I thought it was amazing. Someone wrote this in. They said, Arbor is a church born out of brokenness, which allows me to come broken. I love that. I've been seen, known, and loved here. This one here says, through this church, I discovered God, that he has a purpose for my life, And I don't feel hopeless like before. There's more on there, but it's all life change. Life change, life change, life change. Probably the most significant life change that I've been able to be a part of and walk through was a guy named Rob. Him and his wife came to this church, and as you can see from the picture, is that he was sick. He realized right when this church started, he wasn't coming here. But all of a sudden, a couple days after, a couple of Sundays after, they started coming right from the very beginning. But he had pancreatic cancer. And the crazy thing was, is that Rob had never stepped foot into a church in his life. He didn't want to have anything to do with church. Uh, he was a Harley riding, man's man. And so he came in and on that first, maybe like the third week, I was told about um, um, his condition And I love the fact that we got to spend every two weeks together. Like, well, we should just talk. Let's get together and talk about eternity. Let's talk about heaven. Let's talk about your life. Let's talk about Jesus. Let's talk about all things. And we did talk about all things. And for almost a year, I think, was it, Diana, was it a year? A year and a half. I got to every two weeks in this office sit with Rob and have conversations with him and I learned about his life and how much he loved his wife and how much um, he, he, he he said at the very end, once he gave his life to Christ, he said, I wish I had known about this earlier. I wish I had experienced him earlier. And unfortunately, Rob passed away and we got to do the funeral. I got to do the funeral right here for a friend of mine. And what's been nuts is that I don't know if Rob would have found Jesus if He didn't find his way into this church. One of the things that Rob said to me before he passed away, we had a deal. This was our deal. You tell Maggie I said hello when you go up into heaven, and I'll take care of your bride. We'll take care of your bride while we're down here. And we've tried to honor that promise. And I asked Diana yesterday, have you felt taken care of? And she said, I have. I felt very taken care of here and I found a new family. I love that. I love that. Friends, that's life change. And that change was so significant that it changed his eternity. And one day I'll be able to see my buddy again. And some of you may have lost people in the past or things of like that. And you may be able to see them in eternity as well. But the reason we do what we do is because of life change. It's all about life change. Life change because of Jesus Christ changing our lives. We can't hold that info in. We got to get it out. We either believe it or we don't believe it. I believe it to the core of me. I'll go down in flames talking about Jesus and what he's done right in here. And I want to do that with as many people as possible. That's what this church is about. It's about life change for the sake of Jesus Christ who laid down his life for us. That's love. What side do we want to be on? We want to be on the side of love. That's what Jesus did. He loved us so much that he gave his life for us. But the best part is, is he didn't stay dead. The best part is we get to spend eternity with him in right relationship with the Father. That's life change. And so, friends, next steps moving forward from here. For today, probably the biggest one is this, is if you haven't said yes to Jesus, I beg, I plead that you would. It is the best choice that you could possibly make. There was no cure for cancer for my daughter, but what there was, was a cure for all of eternity given by Jesus. And when we say yes to him, we have the cure to all things, all things that really, really matter. And so if you haven't said yes to him, maybe you have questions. I'd love to dialogue about those questions. Most people here, I've been told that you have to hear the gospel at least seven times before someone's open to hear it. I think that that has gotten even longer. But if you have questions, there's so many questions. But I know that the right answer is Jesus. And I know that from experience and from really studying his word. And so if you're interested and want to say yes to Jesus, write that on your card and we'll follow up with you. Right? We're not going to send you a bunch of info and like, oh, well, this is what you need to do now and here and this and follow this robotic thing. No, we just want to have a conversation. Sit down to coffee. Let's discuss. Second thing to do next step is this, is, is get baptized. If you haven't been baptized, that's what Jesus asked us to do. If you have confessed that he is Lord in our lives, that is an inward expression. The outward expression of that is to be dunked underwater. He modeled this. Don't worry, we'll let you back up. It's cool. Right? That's how it happens. But you are to be baptized. And if you've never been baptized, it's one of the most beautiful symbols in the world. It's been happening for thousands of years. And in that, we get to celebrate that a life is dedicated to Jesus. It's life change. And so if you're interested in being baptized, you can write that on your connection card right on there, I want to get baptized, or you can email us here at the church. The last part of this is the last next step is come back next week come back next week. I really don't say this that often, where you have to be here every week for a series. The reason that we want you to be here every single week is so that we're all, again, I said in the very beginning, we're all headed in the same direction. We're all going in the same way. We have the same goal in mind. When that is the case, it's powerful when a lot of people are moving in the same direction, I want us to be very clear about what we're at. And so that's what this series is all about. That's what this this class is going to be. It's going to be helping people to understand the process that is Arbor Church. And Arbor Church, if you haven't got it from the beginning yet, it's this, is that we want to be about life change. And so if your life has been changed, come on, come back next week. Let's keep diving into this. Let's keep rowing in the same direction as a team and as a family. Amen? Amen. Let me pray.